I don't know about you, I'm still in the post-COVID honeymoon period of seeing people in 3D. Anyone else? Like that? I was reminded of this this morning, I had a long journey up the M6 this morning, and I was so excited about being in church, seeing real people rather than seeing people on a screen. Now, don't get me wrong, I've been giving it some in my living room to songs on Zoom for the last couple of years, you know, in, 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 on Sunday mornings. But isn't it great to worship together? I was reminded of a time a, uh, a couple of years ago when... Um, I came at the cinema with a friend of mine, and um, as we were leaving, uh, just in front of us were two really, really cool lads. They were like proper trendy. And this is absolutely true. One turns to the other, and he says, yo, 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 that film was proper sick, which I think means good. And uh, then the other one turns around, and he says, I know, the 3D, the immersive experience, it was amazing. And the other one says, this is absolutely true, he says, can you imagine if the whole world was in 3D. <laughs> it was great to be together in 3D this morning. And um, isn't it also brilliant to be good news people in a bad news world? I don't know about you, I'm finding it increasingly depressing opening my BBC News app at the moment. Because every day there's more bad news. And yet we are good news people. And uh, that's why, in many ways, it, 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 I love being part of the Evangelical Alliance. So my day job is I'm head of mission to young adults at the Evangelical Alliance. And I just wonder if I could infuse you uh, about the EA this morning and invite you, if you're not already an individual member of the EA, to join us this morning. And I just want to tell you why that's really, really important. First of all, what's an evangelical? Well, first, first of all, evangel comes from good news. We're good news people. But an evangelical, first of all, believes in the Bible. We are people who, who don't seek to, to change the word of God to accommodate our culture, but want to see our culture transformed with the word of God. Secondly, we're people of Jesus. We believe that the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the most important moment in human history. Thirdly, we're people of conversion. We don't somehow become Christians by osmosis. But the most important decision anyone ever makes is to follow Jesus or not. And finally, we're people who are activists. We want to see the world become more like the kingdom. We, that's why so many evangelicals are involved in, in, in food banks and toddler groups and youth groups and Christians against poverty and, and street pastors. We want to see the world transformed with the good news of Jesus. And as the Evangelical Alliance, we are good news people, but we seek to unite the church because we believe that we need unity. And Jesus' prayer in John 17 for his church was for unity. But we're a membership organization. So we are tens of thousands of individuals, thousands of churches and hundreds of organizations. And, 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 and membership's really important for a couple of reasons. First of all, because we want to see every single person in the UK reach with the good news of Jesus. That means unity is important. Secondly, because we also speak up at the highest levels of government on the issues that really matter to evangelicals. So during the pandemic, we were telling the government the good news of what the church was doing to bless the world and look after the most vulnerable in our society. We also speak up on really important stuff like free speech. So a couple of years ago, there was a bill going through Parliament that would have enabled Ofsted to come into every Sunday school and youth group in the country and essentially vet what was being said. We didn't think this was a particularly good idea. We thought it sounded a bit more like North Korea than the UK. So we stood up. And I'm delighted to say on the, on the basis of the strength of our membership, that bill has been kicked into touch for the time being. But it, uh, your membership really, really matters. So if you're able to join us this morning, it costs just £3 a month. If you're a couple, we can speak for both of you for that. So please come and join me. I'll be over by the table at the end. Um, as a thank you, because it matters so much, as a small token, I'd love to give you a copy of my book called Story Bearer. 
which is written to help Christians share their faith with their friends. Why? Because the way people, most people come to faith in the UK at the moment is not through an evangelist like me or a pastor like Christy. It's mostly through a friend, a neighbour, a colleague or a family member. And most of us could be way more effective at sharing our faith with our friends. It doesn't have to be awkward. It can be really natural and relational. That's what the book's about. It was sadly released in the, uh, the week the pandemic struck, the week all the bookshops closed. But it's done surprisingly well. And so please come and I'll give you one of those. And also, this is a little bit gimmicky. I'll give you one of these. It's a little trolley coin. And it's got the EA logo on, which means also every time you go to a posh supermarket and put it in the trolley or go to your gym, you can pray that the good news of Jesus might reach those in the UK. So please come and see him at the end. Why don't we pray and ask God to speak to us this morning, shall we? Father, we love you. We live for you. And we thank you that you want to speak to us today. And I just invite you in your own heart this morning to pray a really simple prayer. Dear God, please speak to me this morning. Dear God, please speak to me this morning. Amen. There are moments in life where you have to be real with yourself and with God about what's going on. A few years ago, um, I was uh, out with some friends and uh, we, were, we found ourselves in a nightclub. Now, um, when I was in my early 20s, a nightclub was my kind of natural habitat. But now, a really wild night in the Knox household is staying up and watching the 10 o'clock news. I've got two small children. My wife's love language is sleep. And so we go to bed early. And, um, but a few years ago, I was reliving the days of my youth and I was absolutely giving some. It was like it was kind of 2005 all over again. I was having a great time. And in my head, I thought I looked still about 20. My bubble was about to be burst. When this lad who came up to me, he looked about 12 years old, and he comes up to me and he said, where are you from? (laughs) And I said, I'm from Birmingham. He said, how old are you? I said, mate, I'm 35. And this is absolutely true. For about the next hour, every 10 minutes, he came up to me and kept shaking my hand and saying, Birmingham, 35. Mate, you're a legend. I realised in that moment, I no longer looked 21 years old. In this passage, we see someone who's being real about life. I don't know about you, but I love the fact that the Bible is real about life. So often we, we, we can feel, can't we, on a, on a Sunday or on as a Christian, we have to pretend that everything's fine. The writers of the Bible do not pretend that everything is fine. It's okay not to be okay. The Bible in this passage, Paul writing to this church in Corinth, compares us to jars of clay. Now that is not a flattering comparison. This jar of clay is easily cracked, it's easily broken. It's not a flattering comparison, it's fragile. Has anyone else felt fragile over the last last couple of years? If you feel fragile today, you're in good company. Because so many Christians at the moment, so many Christians throughout history have felt fragile. But the brutal assessment of our condition doesn't end there. Paul goes on in verse 8. We are hard pressed on every side. And then I feel hard pressed at the moment. Can I get an amen? You know, by the pressures of church and work and family, we're hard pressed. He goes on. We're perplexed. What is going on? I'm sure I'm not the only person in in the last couple of years to ask the question, what on earth is going on? Verse 9, persecuted. 
It's a really moving moment a minute ago, wasn't it, to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. Now, don't hear me wrong. We don't suffer persecution quite like our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. But there is an increasing chill factor in the UK towards Bible-believing Christians. Paul goes on, we're struck down. Bible commentators reckon a, a better translation of that probably means depressed. Paul's being really vulnerable about his mental health. Verse 10, we carry around death in our body. During this pandemic, there's been this feeling that death is closer. Our feelings as a, as a world of indestructibility and perpetual progress have been dented. And yet this, this passage is even more extraordinary when we, when we consider who wrote it. This is Paul. Paul's like a super apostle. He's like a super Christian. He's responsible for planting churches all over Europe and the Middle East. He's involved in this, the world's most successful startup in this moment. The gospel is kicking off. Lives are being changed. And yet in the midst of it, Paul, described, despite incredible word, worldly success, feels discouraged, struck down, persecuted, perplexed, and discouraged. And here's the first thing I want to encourage us with this morning. Okay not to be okay. Okay to admit to ourselves, to God and to others, that we're fragile and that we're vulnerable. Because the biblical model is that we need to be honest with one another. And I wonder whether for some of us in in the challenges that we're facing, we've not had a moment where we've been honest with God, we've been honest with ourselves, and we've been honest with others. And maybe the first thing that we need to do off the back of this morning is to, to reach out to somebody and say, I'm struggling. Would you pray with me? Reach out to God and be honest with him about the, the discouragements, the disappointments, the bereavements of the last season. But moreover, you don't have to have it all together to be used by God. Paul is, is doing extraordinary things for God in this moment. And yet it's obvious that he's not doing great. It helps now and again to have a reality moment between ourselves and others and God. But the good news and the difference between us as followers of Jesus and those who don't follow Jesus yet is that we are not okay in a different way. And the reason and the explanation for this for Paul comes in the first five words of this passage. But we have this treasure. We are not empty, broken, fragile jars of clay. There is something deep inside. There is hope deep inside in our hearts. And if you know Jesus today and you have hope in your heart, that hope is the most important thing about you. The presence of that hope makes all the difference in your life. There's been a lot of talk about hope recently, hasn't there? But it's really important that our hope is in the right direction. Can we have the clip, please? really important that your hope is in the right direction. I want us to be really clear today. 
And hear me right on this when I talk about our deepest hope. Because our deepest hope is not in the NHS. Our deepest hope is not in a vaccine. Our deepest hope is not in herd immunity. Our deepest hope is not in a, in a new normal, an old normal, or going back to normal. Our deepest hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. Faith in him really is a matter of life and death. Verse 13 and 14. I believe, therefore, I've spoken since we have this same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. The way that most people encounter that treasure is through people like you. Because we have this treasure in jars of clay. And you know what's amazing? The more broken we are sometimes, the more vulnerable we are, the more opportunity that hope has to come to shine out of the cracks in our lives. Because there's this kind of holy connection between being broken on one hand and hope making the difference in the world around us on the other. But we also need to grapple with the fact that as Christians, Jesus doesn't somehow make our lives a little bit better. I got a phone call the other day from, from my broadband provider asking me if I wanted to slightly upgrade my package. Jesus doesn't somehow slightly upgrade our subscription to life. Jesus changes everything. It can be so easy, can't it, in our comfortable Western world to think that Jesus somehow slightly makes our life a bit better. A life enhancement like a, like a broadband subscription or, or a TV package growth. Jesus changes everything. I realized this recently. Last weekend, I was, uh, I was away with, with, the week, with, um, with a few friends from university. One of them is a guy called Dave. Now, I've been friends with Dave. I've been praying for, for, for Dave for over 20 years to come to faith. He's not yet a Christian. Do you know what? He had six hours with me on the M6 last, last week, last Sunday. He still wasn't a Christian. <laughs> My favorite conversation with Dave came, uh, came a few years ago when we were playing golf. And his life was a bit of a mess. And um, he, he pours out his heart to me, and he's from Birmingham, he speaks a bit like this. And he said, Phil, my life's such a mess. What shall I do? I'm not very pastoral. I'd also been friends with him long enough to be able to say this. I said, Dave, your life is a bit of a mess. But the best thing you can do, in fact, the only thing you can do is give your life to Jesus and let him sort it out. And in that moment, I, I was praying he might get down on his knees and say, what must I do to be saved? Instead, and this is absolutely true, he says this. What's the second best option? <laughs> if you don't know Jesus today, it doesn't matter how good your life is, you're living in the second best option for your life. If you do know Jesus today, it doesn't matter what else is going on with your life, you are living in the best option for your life. Just before the pandemic, I was uh, preaching in Newcastle one Sunday night, and um, Dave was living in Newcastle at the moment. Quite how the Geordies understand his Brummie accent, I've got no idea. But uh, he, uh, he texted me in the week, and he said, Phil, would you like to come and stay with me on the Saturday before you preach on the Sunday? Because obviously he texts in Brummie. So I said, Phil, I, I said, Dave, I said, Dave, that'd be great. So he said, and then he said, and would you like to come to church with me on the Sunday morning? And then he fell off my chair, because I was like, Dave, that's not normally how it works. Normally it's the Christian who invites the non-Christian to church. He texts back and he said, yeah, but there's a girl I quite like. <laughs> I thought, whatever it takes to get Dave to church. 
Anyway, so we turned up to church. It wasn't quite as trendy as this one. It was quite an old kind of chapel, and there was a balcony. It wasn't quite the kind of stadium seating as you've got here. And um, so uh, the, 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 the kind of pews in the front were kind of a sea of gray hair. And then in the balcony was me, Dave, and the girl he likes. And, uh, and, and the first couple of songs came on, and I, di- I didn't know them, which was really weird because I'm like a professional Christian. And, uh, and then the third song came on, and it was Amazing Grace. And I don't know if you've noticed, I'm quite an exuberant worshipper. And so, so I, st- I stood in the balcony next to Dave and this girl. I threw my arms in the air and sang with gusto. Amazing grace, like I was in the whole end with Christy at Villa. And um, I absolutely gave it some, so much so that the kind of grey hairs in the front were, t- were turning around and going, what is that racket coming with the balcony? I was secretly quite proud. And uh, about 10 days later, um, I'm on the phone to Dave. And he said, Phil, went back to that church you went to. They're still talking about your singing. But I decided to take, make the most of this evangelistic opportunity and said, Dave, can I explain to you why I sang, why I sang like that? I said, Dave, the thing is, for me, that song encapsulates so much of the Christian faith. Once, once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was dead, but now I'm alive. Once I was blind, but, but now I see. I, I said, Dave, do you get it? He goes, not really. So I decided to, to rewrite the words to Amazing Grace, how you might sing it if you, might, if you believe that Jesus just made your life a bit better. It goes a little bit like this. Average grace, how bland the sounds, that slightly improved my life. I went to church and liked the songs, and now I have to be nice. It's not average grace. It's amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. We have this treasure in jars of clay. We have a hope in our hearts. But that hope also can change the world of those around us. It's not just for ourselves. Paul goes on in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There is a holy connection between things dying and new things being born. The truth at the heart of the Christian faith is that there is no life without death. But do you know what's amazing? In our struggle, in our vulnerability, first of all, God does something powerful in us. Outwardly, we're wasting away, but inwardly being renewed day by day. One of the verses that sustains me during this time has been Paul's words in Romans that say that that it's that suffering that produces perseverance, perseverance that produces character, and character that produces hope. Hope is birthed in our hearts when we struggle through our perseverance. And yet also, when we're at our weakest, when we're at our most vulnerable, God does something wonderful through us in ways that he can't do when we're strong. I experienced this most recently through my mum. Just as COVID uh, struck, uh, we found out that my mum's cancer diagnosis was terminal. And I walked with her over those last couple of months of her life before she went to be with Jesus. 
And one thing I've observed when you're close to someone like that in the final stages, you observe them physically wasting away. Yet spiritually, she'd never been stronger. Spiritually, she grew in strength. Spiritually, she grew more certain of the hope that she was going to. And in her final days, she recorded a little video to be played at her funeral. She communicated the wonder of the Christian faith. She preached the gospel better than I ever have. Outwardly wasting away, yet inwardly, people saw at her funeral as the video was played, someone never so strong. At the end of the funeral, ever the evangelist, I offered people the opportunity to know Jesus for themselves. And I got a text immediately after from a woman who mum had prayed for for many years, saying, Phil, I prayed with you. I believe Jesus died for me. Mum lived for many years not seeing that woman's life transformed, but yet in her weakness, in her vulnerability, the hope, the treasure in the jar of clay burst out in a way that it couldn't from a position of strength. So in our jars of clay, we have a treasure. In our exhaustion, we have a hope. In our pain and bereavement, God is doing something in us and through us that he can't do when we're strong. And here's my final encouragement. You will never know the impact of your life. You'll never know the the answers to the prayers that you pray. That's why Paul insists that we need to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because since what is seen is temporary, but what's unseen is eternal. We are hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, and depressed, outwardly wasting away. We are jars of clay, but that is temporary. What's eternal is that we're not crushed, not in despair, not abandoned, and not destroyed. Because we have a treasure. Fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what's unseen. Because you have a part to play in bringing the hope of Jesus to the world. My last wedding I went to in real life. Do you remember weddings in real life? I once pre- I preached during, during the pandemic, actually, I preached at a wedding on Zoom. It was brilliant because the top half looked as smart as Christy. Uh, the bottom half was shorts and, uh, and, and trainers. It was brilliant. No one knew. Um, but, um, but, but the last wedding I went to in real life was a friend from university. And it was the poshest wedding um, I, I think I'd ever been to. Um, I, um, and I live on a council estate, so I felt really kind of out of place. Have you ever been in those moments where you feel completely out of place? And uh, it was so posh. I also didn't know anyone else there. It was a day where it was on a Friday, so uh, my family were, Danny had to look after the boys, and so I went on my own. I didn't know anyone else there. Um, it was so posh. There was a, uh, the, my friend from university was marrying a, a, the, the, the daughter of a kind of rock star, and so a genuine TV personality did the address. I was completely out of place. And uh, then we go through to the reception, and the, the, when the, the posh people with canapes were coming around, I didn't want to eat the canapes because they just looked so beautiful. And then this guy in a big red jacket rings a bell and ushers us through to the reception, and there's these two really long tables, like those on your screen, with more cutlery than, you, than you've seen on scenes from the Titanic. And, uh, and I turn up, and I'm like... I feel completely out of place here. And, and, and so did that thing. There was no kind of where you're sitting. So I, so I kind of walked up and down looking for these place names, which were beautifully written in kind of the most gorgeous calligraphy. And so I'm walking up and down looking for Phil Knox. I'm like, where's my name? And, um, and do a lap, and I can't find it. I thought, I just I probably just can't read the calligraphy. 
So I do another lap and I go up and down and I'm beginning to panic at this point. And by the time the third lap comes around, I'm like, I'm, I don't think I'm here. No wonder I feel out of place. I'm not, I'm, and then I'm like, and then I'm looking at the, the groom going, is that really my friend? Yeah, I think I'm still at the right wedding. So then I decide, what's, what's less awkward? Do I go up to the groom and say, I'm really sorry, I'm, where, where am I sat? Don't, don't feel that's appropriate. So then I'm like, maybe if I just snuck away, no one would notice. I'm the only person here. It might be all right. So I get to the car. I'm literally, I, I decide that's the least awkward thing to do. I get to the car and I'm typing in the sat-nav to go home and I'm texting my wife, Danny, to say, there's been a mistake. Do you fancy a date night? You know, and so um, I'm just about to go. And then I suddenly remember that my friend texts me to ask me for my dietary requirements. And I think he wouldn't have done that for the canapes. So I'm like, maybe I've got a place. So I decide to walk back and do one last check. And by the time I walk in, all the, everyone else is kind of sat down. It's super awkward. Grace has been said. And I'm walking up and down. And then suddenly I see it. And it's like, ah! My name has never looked more beautiful. And I sit down. And I realize the reason that I've missed my name is not only do I have a place, but it's with the family. And so often, we can count ourselves out. We can think that sharing hope with the world is someone else's job. We can believe that we don't have a part to play. But the encouragement of this passage, the encouragement of the whole of scripture, is that we have a part to play in the renovation of society, in bringing hope to the world, in bringing light into darkness, in bringing life to those who are dying. And it's with the family. Because as was read earlier beautifully, we are sons and daughters of the living God. We are not slaves. And the family business is changing the world and bringing hope to the hopeless. So this morning, may you know that it's okay not to be okay. Maybe for some of us, what we need to do is reach out to somebody and and express how we're feeling, the feelings of discouragement and disappointment and bereavement from this season. Maybe for some of us, our hope has been in the wrong direction. And we need to remember it's not average grace, it's amazing grace. And maybe for some of us, God's gentle and beautiful reminder to us today is that we have a part to play in bringing that hope to the world. Let's pray, shall we? just invite you where you are sat to, to ask the Holy Spirit to, to speak to you about what he wants to say to you today. And I wonder whether maybe for some of us, I don't like to go anywhere without giving people the opportunity. If they feel far from God or they've never had a moment where they've said, I want to follow Jesus for myself. Maybe you feel like at the moment you're living in the second best option for your life and you want to step into that best option. Just to give you the opportunity to do so today. And you can pray a really simple prayer with me today. 
Say, God, I'm sorry where I've got it wrong. I trust you with my life. I believe that you died and rose again for me. And I want to step into that best option for my life. If that's you, I just invite you to do that really simply in your heart. Father, I pray for all of us. That we would have a deeper honesty with you. Pray too that we would be hope bringers to the world around us. feel especially this morning there might be some of us who feel especially with our prayers disappointed and discouraged Paul's encouragement to fix your eyes not on what is seen but what's unseen is for you this morning so father for those of us who have been discouraged and feel pain because of the of unanswered prayer. I pray that you'd bring healing today. Father, thank you that we have this treasure in jars of clay. May we be hope bringers to the world around us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.